Welcome back, everyone. My name is Quentin Carlin, and this is Self-Developed Life Podcast, where we interview experts in a number of areas around personal growth. And I am thrilled to have a longtime friend and mentor and coach of mine that we have uh, developed a relationship. And I'm holding his book here, a couple of them, actually. I'm going to read you first the about the author section to give you a bit of his background, which is quite extensive. And then we will get into the content. So about the author, his name is Mark Scannell, and he's originally from Oak Park, Illinois, the suburb of Chicago. Um, Mark attended the University of Notre Dame for two years before joining a religious community of priests and brothers called the Dominican Order. He was ordained a Roman Catholic priest in 1969 and became the recruiter for his community. During this time, he met a person who became a mentor to him, Dr. Ira Progroff, who created a journaling process called the Intensive Journal, which Mark taught for many years. Uh, he left the priesthood in 1984 and married his now wife, Elaine Gaston, in 1985. Since then, Mark has worked as a consultant, a counselor, and a co-owner of a manufacturer's representation, uh, representative plumbing company. He is a certified life coach with a specialty in coaching people working with their addictions. Since retiring from the plumbing business, Mark enjoys officiating weddings, umpiring softball, and deepening friendships. He also enjoys the supportive and challenging community of St. Jones of Arc in South Minneapolis, Minnesota. So Mark, with that background, you have a whole host of life experience and professional experience. And I just want to give you both your books here a plug. I've got one on my Kindle. And the first one you wrote was The Gratitude Element. And it's a new look at the Serenity Prayer. And your newest book that you just sent me is resilience, the ability to round, uh, rebound from adversity. And thank you so much for the signed copy here. So that was a great uh, early birthday present and congratulations on your accomplishments. I know writing books is not easy. So welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. So um, with that grand life experience, um, what, what has really been the primary factor for helping you navigate through these different professions and uh, chapters of your life. I know it's not every day that someone can talk to someone who is, uh, who has lived such a, a, a vast life experience. So um, anywhere you want to start on that is, is up to you. You know, I think that, uh, thank you, Quentin, for having me. I, th I think some of the um, things that took place in my life or have taken place in my life, have created uh, choice points mm -hmm. um, where, you know, I was, um, uh, as you mentioned, I was a student at the University of Notre Dame and I was in engineering and clearly I almost, or I almost flunked out of school mm. and then sort of went into business and none of that seemed right. And I remember thinking when I was much younger of uh, the becoming a priest. And that idea reappeared. I talked to different people about it, and it seemed like a good thing to do. And so I entered this religious community, and I think I found a family. I found traditions that really helped me to grow up, expand, and, and develop myself. And then I, giving a retreat, I met a woman who uh, fell in love, and the choice point was, do I continue as a priest, or do I leave and get married? And we decided that I was gonna that we we're gonna each of us leave and uh, get married, and so my sense is that there's if you live long enough, you're probably gonna face 
points or choices. Mm. I mean, I think if we only lived to 35, there's a way in which we, we had one career. Right. In my mid-70s, and so I've had probably about three or four different careers. And I think some of it is just a matter of uh, living longer. Of time, of time. Yeah, that's, uh, time. that's very true. And especially now today, like in, in definitely our parents' generation, even my parents' generation, usually people would just have one job for a long time. But now with right. the way that businesses are structured and new, uh, just, just the way society's run, people don't really just have one career or one job. They, they kind of bounce around from one thing to the other. And, and I think that that's kind of interesting. Instead of just doing the same thing for your whole life, it's good to be multi-faceted uh, and, and have diverse opportunities and uh, experiences. So. You, know, you mentioned uh, this fellow, Ira Progoff, and he created this journaling method. And one of the things that I always was grateful to him was that his experience, he, toward the end of Carl Jung's life, he studied with Carl Jung, the oh, wow. psychologist. Mm -hmm. And at that point in Jung's life, he was beginning to develop this idea of synchronicity. Yeah. The way in which events fall together that defy cause and effect. And mm -hmm. so that influenced Progoff. Progoff influenced me. And so I think an important aspect of my life has been trying to understand more synchronicity. And I think one of the things that came to me in writing the resilience book is that I think synchronicity is a matter of the heart, mm. not, not the brain. Mm -hmm. and if you try to understand it rationally, it defies that kind of um, explanation. But it's more going with the heart. Right. Yeah. Talking about that, you, you have mentioned it quite a bit in both your books, um, I recall. And we've had a number of conversations about the synchronicity and just how we've met ourselves. Like, you know, um, two Catholics that are loving basketball and are, are um, similar characteristics and everything like that. And another synchronicity, I've, I didn't, I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you before, but with your experience was very similar to my uncle's experience, who just this past week had his 50th wedding anniversary down in uh, American in Virginia and he was he went through the seminary to become a priest and then he they gave uh, I guess the graduates time out to go into the world and then he went to Europe and he traveled and that's where he met his wife who's now he's been married to for 50 years so he actually never went through the um, into the priesthood because he had this uh, you know a, a cross of the past and he's now been married for years so yeah there's you know different chapters of different people's lives that doors open right. and close for certain reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, and as far as your, your first book talking about gratitude, I know gratitude is also a big part of your teachings and, and what's really been a big part of your life. How did you uh, come about with this whole idea for this book, the, uh, the gratitude element? Yeah, I think where I, uh, where I came to it was I'm part of a 12 step group mm -hmm. and about for about 25 years. And that was the first place that I was introduced to the serenity prayer. Mm. So I found that uh, prayer very conducive to my own prayer. So I began to say it outside of the meetings. And then I found myself adding different sentiments. Mm. And then the sentiment that seemed to linger longer was gratitude. And in my tradition, your tradition, our tradition, um, in terms of prayer, there's a prayer of asking, requesting. And so in the serenity prayer, we're asking for wisdom, courage, and serenity. And it struck me that what I grew up with, well, if you're going to ask and you receive, mm -hmm. it's time to give thanks. 
So where I, I began to think more and more about gratitude, and it just seemed to me that if the prayer emphasizes re requests and asking, it would also be good to give thanks for the serenity, courage, and wisdom we've been given. And then I began to do a lot of research on gratitude, and there's a fellow um, by the name of Emmons out in California who's done a lot of research, and he's found basically as he's done the research that people who give thanks in a regular way mm. are happier and healthier than people who don't. Right. Yeah, well, that's one of the main things that if you're ever struggling with any kind of depression or anxiety, one of the best things you can do is just like look around and see what you're grateful for. I'm grateful for, you know, the water, the food, my clothes, anything. And it just makes you change your state and physiology going from lack to abundance and, and right. having that gratefulness and talking about the law of attraction and how things, you know, depending on vibrations and so on. So yeah, gratitude is kind of like the foundation starting block on, on all that. So yeah, it's great that I really enjoyed that book and, and congrats on that once again. And, um, and I guess your second book that I just have, I'm about halfway through it here, um, talking about resilience and the ability to rebound from adversity. And you started off saying that the condition of the world right now, resilience is one of the most important characteristics and virtues to have because of just everything that's happening. And you do a good job outlining how the state of the world and, and kind of how things are really, um, quite challenging for a lot of people in, in different scenarios and situations around the world and being able to bounce back from challenging situations is something that's so important on on every level of family personal professional livelihood so um, what what was the main kind of uh, thought process putting this one together you know that's a good question and you know I, I think I I, um, I was thinking about resilience and then a, um, a person who works in a Catholic church called me in December and said, would I do the staff retreat? It was a big group of people. And I said, oh, sure. And she said, um, it's on January 23rd, which is the holiday for Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And so she said, what are you, what are you gonna do? What's your theme? And I said, resilience. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, as I thought about it more, I worked in Martin Luther King, especially his speech about, I have a dream. Right. So one of the things that fell together for me was that an important part of resilience is having a vision of what we might become. Mm. It's almost like the, the gratitude that takes us out of the feelings of we're, we're nothing or we're in a bad place. Mm -hmm. And I just, in the book, there's a, I quote a research project of this woman who studied people who were in difficult situations, abusive relationships, what helps people develop resilience? And genetics is one factor. Mm. They found that even more importantly was a sense of mastery, that I have some ability to do something about what's happening. And secondly, supportive relationships. Yeah, that's big. And so my sense is when those things, be, those pieces began to fall together, it, the resilience book sort of came out of me and it was like, this is an important theme. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that we can do practically to develop resilience. We're not just at the whim of the gods and goddesses. Right. And what would you recommend for people to have more gratitude and resilience in their life? Like what is your kind of daily method of operations? I know you're really big into journaling, um, right. support groups. What are right. some ways where people right now, if they're feeling a lack of gratitude or a lack of the ability to overcome challenges in their life, what are some, I guess, uh, strategies to do so 
my wife goes to a body worker and uh, she gave me a session with him for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was, as he was working on me, I, I know the guy somewhat. And I said, what are you into? And he says, Greg Braden. I said, Greg Braden. He said, you never heard of him? I said, no. So he said, look him up. So Braden has a way of meditation. And also he wrote a book about resilience from the heart. Mm. And that was another important element in my proceeding with um, resilience. And what he talks about, and I think, and, and he led me to a group called HeartMath, M-A-T-H. And they emphasize the importance of the heart and feeling feelings of appreciation, compassion, uh, gratitude, mm-hmm. care. And that, that feeling those positive energies and radiating that energy to ourselves and to others mm-hmm. can help change the situation. And their conviction is that each of us is an energy field. Mm. And we project energy. So they're saying about three, four feet. And so that when you and I meet, I'm projecting radiating energy to you, you to me, and what kind of energy. And so that they're saying is the importance of locking into feeling positive energy, positive feelings. And that, that really contributes to resilience and being able to bounce back. Yeah, yeah, big time. And I think that it's so crucial to have the attitude and the mentality to you know kind of doing like mental warfare almost like to be able to overcome you know if if you have a relationship that ends or you lose a job or just all these you know things that life throws at people to not just get stuck in in a rut and yeah it's fine to feel bad and kind of have bad days and everything but you don't want to kind of live there and have that manifest on an ongoing um downward spiral and it's good to kind of change your state and I know both of us are into personal development and growth and, and, and things like that. So it's really important to. Um... Uh, one thing I might raise for the people who uh, watch this mm-hmm. is that one of the ways to look at resilience is to look, again, using journaling, go back to a time in your life in which you faced adversity. And what did you do? Mm. What happened? And it's possible that you will find in your experience things that worked that helped you become resilient, that might be a good tools to keep in your back pocket today. Yeah. So what's helped you rebound before? That's great. Yeah, journaling, I don't know. It's just something that I've always done ever since I was a child almost, just having like writing out these Hmm. things. And and probably one of the worst things anyone's ever done to me actually was when you kind of know my personal situation more the most, but when I was living with um, my son's mother, at the end of that relationship, she actually stole and took all my journals through like 10 years from like when I was probably like 15 to 25 and stole my whole life basically. And I think that's probably the worst thing anyone's ever done besides, you know, like, cause you kind of like invasion of privacy and, and all that. And I kind of forgot about that. Well, I haven't forgotten about it, but I've never kind of mentioned that publicly until now, but yeah, journaling is such a, a, a personal and, and um, therapeutic process. And, you know, for people that are kind of wanting uh, to do that, don't let that discourage you, but just keep them safe. <laughs> well, I think we have a right to privacy. I remember one time I was coaching this woman and she was big into journaling and she was revealing in her journals lots of very personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just left the journal sitting on the coffee table. And one day she came in and her daughter, younger daughter, was beginning to read them. Mm. And like, Whoa. And so what it turned out was 
the safest place she had was the trunk of her car. And that's where she stored her journals that gave her the privacy right. to continue to write. Yeah, yeah, we need, I mean, it's like walking in on somebody naked and how, how that's so jarring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel violated through that, but yeah, yeah. it is a very good process. And even just writing out like a to-do list, like just the process of putting mm -hmm. things on paper is a very healing and yeah. productive process to begin with. You know, let me, another thing I think that's important, Quentin, in terms of um, the resilience pieces, and I think this is a real challenge for many of us today is where do we belong? Mm -hmm. Right. We're finding, you know, we're about like, uh, there's a whole different attitude toward work that you're probably not going to spend the rest of your life doing the same thing. We're the same company mm -hmm. around. I think there's, it really is a challenge to find communities where we belong, are known and can find support. Yeah. If we're isolated, it's much more difficult. Yeah, that's really true. And, and that's why we've talked in the past about the, uh, the men's group that, uh, we're, yep. we're, we've both been a part of it in different forms and just having mm -hmm. that group of community is very, very important to have that foundation. And especially these days when there's so much attention with social media and technology to actually have face-to-face in-person yep. connections with people is, uh, it's, it's priceless. And I think it's very, yeah. um, uh, I, I think your the use of your word priceless is, uh, and I think difficult to find. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say next. Is that it's actually very hard for people to get connected to um, positive influences like that. And, uh, and, and yeah, and, and you've got a group that you've been working with for a number of years. And that seems to be a big part of your weekly routine as well to just kind of be connected with, uh, with right. that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, um, and as I said, the research shows that supportive relationships are an important aspect of resilience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've taught, we've taught, had other conversations, um, to give you guys some context, uh, Mark and I, we get in a call about once a week and, uh, we've been doing that for about three years or so, I would say. And today's the first day that we've actually gone on video here face to face. So it's kind of a neat, uh, yeah. neat thing here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you played in a big part, a role in helping me stop with drinking and going out and, and kind of partying and stuff. And one of the things that you talked about was your definition of, of addiction. And I think that that's another big thing that people struggle with these days is um, with all, it could be anything from a smartphone to, um, to porn, to gambling, to drinking, to anything, relationships. Um, how have you defined addiction? Well, my, my definition of addiction is that it's um, kind of compulsive behavior that is fostered in isolation. Right, lack of connection. Yeah. Lack of connection. Recovery is connection. Mm -hmm. And finding safe places, uh, supportive people, they can help us unpack you know, what it is that we're doing. Yeah. Without leading us into further shame. I, I think shame is another mm -hmm. contributor to, to the lack of resilience, that we're so ashamed of what we've done be more and more disconnect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you've shared some great resources with me, like Brene Brown and and her work. I've never heard of her until uh, until connecting with you. And yeah, there's a lot of great resources out there. So for people that are feeling disconnected or going through struggles with any kind of addiction, what would you recommend people do to try and get themselves into a better state? 
Well, I think that one of the things that um, that is there are 12 step groups and there's a 12 step group around every kind of addiction. And, you know, to just uh, look it up on the, um, the, the, the web and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's groups for alcoholics, for people with drugs, people struggling with sexual addiction, all sorts of things. So I, I, I'd start there. Um, secondly, I would, uh, you know, really begin to look at maybe the possibility of seeking professional help, a therapist or a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a third thing is that right now in people's lives, there might be a friend who you could, who the person could begin to reveal their struggles. And instead of, I think often with guys, um, you know, we try to put the best foot forward. Well, maybe there's some guy or maybe a woman that we can begin to, to put our worst foot forward mm-hmm. and begin to say, you know, I'm really struggling with A, B, and C. Yeah. And I think the, a good thing as well that um, I've learned from you and, and researching this, um, trying to live a healthy lifestyle is being aware of triggers. You know, like yeah. if, if, if you're someone who is trying to, you know, um, even something like diet, like don't go to a McDonald's and don't right. buy them. Yeah. Every, if you drive by one on your way to work, maybe take a different route. Don't go buy a McDonald's. Or if yeah. you're starting with drinking, maybe don't walk past the, the nightclub when you go to the restaurant, you know, things like that. Or right. Wherever there's kind of temptation, try to avoid that so you right. don't get triggered and uh, keep... Well, you know, you said uh, earlier in, the, in this call or in this conversation about uh, to-do lists. I, I'm a big fan. And I think one of the things about what we're going to do, I think it's good for the brain, mm-hmm. very good for the brain and the dopamine to be able to check off things that we said we we're going to do. Yeah. So I think, I think again, is there somebody in journaling, what are some of the things that trigger us? Right. Yeah. And then, and then what what are we going to do? Like I I was, you sort of stole my line. I was going to say, I've heard guys talk about in terms of drinking, that if they get close to a bar, the thing that is more triggering is the smell. Mm. And so that they have to avoid, if, if they smell the smells of the bar, they're dead meat. Right. They're in there drinking it up with the guys and stuff like that. You know, another thing I was just thinking about that I think is really challenging in terms of recovery, mm-hmm. which I think is resilience, is finding new friends if the friends you've hung out with before are still acting, thinking addictively. I think that's a right. real challenge. Yeah, it is. Especially when you get older in life as well. You know, like yeah. while you're in university, you're involved in a career but once you get older and kind of people are pairing off getting married or families and so on it's harder to find those other relationships out of your normal routine like for me right. when i kind of veered away from the path of partying and stuff uh, over the last three years if you're trying you know just live a, a healthier lifestyle i've noticed drastic changes in my um peer group that aren't really there anymore like friends that i used to hang out with or just kind of disappeared Um, not that that, that's a good or bad thing. It's just how it is. Right. Um, And then replacing those relationships more with people like yourself or people that are in the, the, um, sports teams or, you know, mastermind groups that I'm a part of. So yeah, you just, you, you're, you know, always be upgrading your network. You know, I think I, I've sponsored in my group, a couple of fellows who went to prison Mm. and I think the real challenge for them is they come out of prison. And they don't have any other, there's no other relationships. And so they fall back in with the same group that they were, and then they're sliding down the hill already. But yeah. it's tough 
to maintain a new lifestyle when you're hanging out with the same people whose yeah. lifestyles led you into prison. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a real, I mean, I think that's a real challenge today, especially as people move around. Where am I going to find people who are truly supportive of what's important to me? And how can I find people that I can show them I support them? It's a two-way yeah. street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I want to kind of also touch on what was life like as, as a priest living in the brotherhood there? Like, what was that like as far as just your, your whole lifestyle? Like, what was the good things? What was the, what was the things you were grateful for? What was the things that were um, challenging with the resilience that you needed to go through? Like, I'm just kind of curious of that as far as... Well, you know, I grew, I joined a community that was uh, about 700 years old. and. Um, what I didn't know before I entered that I found out was there was a rich spiritual tradition. Mm. And secondly, that the, the life, the community was based on community life. Mm -hmm. So my sense is that I began to discover within this brotherhood, fathers and I, I, my father died when I was, when I was uh, about 25 years old and I never had any brothers. So I discovered um, mm. I had many fathers and many brothers who really supported me, um, affirmed me, challenged me, and opened up doors to get uh, lots of education, degrees. Um, and then the community's vision, mission, was preaching. Mm. And so I really uh, like that. And um, so I, I, there was a lot of really good things. I think that the whole thing that uh, unraveled the, the ball, of iron, ball of yarn was the whole a woman mm. who I fell in love with. And then, you know, we worked together for a number of years and then just found out that it just wasn't working. And so both of us made the hard decision, but we just came back a couple of weeks ago from a reunion of the group my wife joined. And I, I know some of the people and um, it was a wonderful experience to be welcomed back. Mm. And I got a letter today from the, the head person in Chicago who, I had sent a copy of the book to and just thanked me. And, and so, I mean, I think both of us had not burned any bridges. That's good. And uh, would you say the majority of people that were there when you were there are still there now? Uh, no, there's a number of people who have died. Okay. There are people who are um, on retirement or have um, things. So the, the community is much smaller mm -hmm. and facing some really hard questions about uh, where are they going to cut back? Mm. Uh, what are they going to let go of? And that's just really painful. Mm. So, and I, I have a couple of very good friends, uh, one of whom I dedicated a book to, who have stayed with me, who um, even my leaving didn't change our relationship. So that, that was, I mean, he's one of the supportive people in, in my life. That's great. Yeah. And it's so um, awesome to have those kind of connections that, through thick and thin, they're just there by you, regardless of uh, the circumstances. Um, what is the process to become a priest? Like if someone's kind of like on the fence or wanting to explore that more, it's university degree, and then you go into do more, um, another master's in theology? Well, what, basically it's changed since I entered, and I was the recruiter after I was ordained. So mm -hmm. I think right now, it's, if someone, you have to have a college degree. Mm -hmm. And then you have a year that's called novitiate, where you learn the basics of the life. You don't take any academic courses. And then you proceed toward a master's degree in theology, mm. and which takes three or four years. 
And then, so the, the formation period is about five years. Mm -hmm. And then um, once the person was ordained, there would be a discernment process with the powers to be, you know, what do you call, what do you feel called to do? Um, what, um, what kind of things do you really want to involve yourself in? Mm -hmm. And I think it's also where the community has needs and openings. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, um, it's sort of a matching uh, people with, uh, with ministries. Right. Yeah. And I think there's, there's the part of what's happening is that there's a, there's a real shortage of priests. And so yeah. that's putting the stress on the people who have, who are priests and have remained priests. Yeah. Well, I look in, in Canada here and the majority of them are from India, Africa, we, you know, yeah. that's the majority. And all, all the Quran congregation is like yeah. Filipino, like it's yeah. like Manila. <laughs> My dad calls yeah. it Manila. So, Manila. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a real, like uh, we belong to, my wife and I belong to a large church in Minneapolis, and uh, there, there's two priests. And the you know the question is, how much longer can we have two priests? I mean, we're big, but mm. you know, and and which churches? I mean, there've been churches closed, and you know, which churches um, need to be closed because there's just not enough people. To, yeah, you know, yeah. And I've heard of that in Europe. All the churches are now becoming mosques. The mosques are coming in yeah. and buying yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, interesting times, interesting times. Well, um, I want to be conscious of your time and thank you for your time and everything that you have done to help support and develop me through these number of years and you've played a massive part in it and I can't recommend you uh, or your materials enough and uh, you, are, you are a certified life coach. So for someone that's listening to this or looking to kind of work with someone on, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, how could people kind of reach out and uh, learn more about you and, and how you kind of support other people? Um, you know, you, um, the, the books are available on Amazon. Yeah. I'll have those links in the show notes below. So if people and then in the, if, if people are interested on the book is my um, email and the website and that that'd be the easiest way or a phone number if you're in the states uh, a phone number so either way great yeah so i'll have all those listed in the show notes below and uh anything else you'd like to kind of touch on before we uh i think that that um i think in these turbulent times i think um resilience accentu accentuating the positive being feeling and expressing gratitude are two important elements that take us out of powerlessness and give us something to do. So I, I agree. And I just want to express my gratitude to you and right. helping me be resilient enough to go through everything that uh, we've kind of gone through here together over the last while. And uh, it's just so, well, I'll say the word again, priceless to have someone that you can kind of really connect with and confide in. And you've probably got a great ability to do so with your background as a priest and, and just you're a very good listener and give great feedback. And I just want to say, Thank you for just being a huge part of my life. So, um, well, one more thing I'd say is it takes two to tango. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's Your been openness. A, it's been and a, willingness to, to move yeah. along is yeah. important too. I mean, it's a two-way street. Right, right. Okay. I agree. Well, thanks for uh, driving down the street here together with us today. And You're welcome. Uh, like I Thank said, you. congratulations on uh, on the books and everything, the impact that you've been making in the world here. So, thank you, uh, thank you Quentin. All the best, and uh, I hope your Minnesota Timberwolves do well this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's an iffy season. Okay.
Yeah. All right, guys. Thank, thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Um, like I said, I've got the show notes here below. If you want to have a look and order the books or reach out to Mark, I can't recommend them highly enough. We'll see Thank you guys you. on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.